Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to the show that never ends patriots beat here on the clns radio show i am your host jeff kane at boston fat guy on twitter joining me as always is bobby kovitsky at bobby underscore k91 also on twitter you can follow the podcast at patriots beat at clns radio and for you facebook fans out there www.facebook.com slash clns fans and www.facebook.com slash patriots beat we are sitting here now on the bye week, an early bye for the New England Patriots, uh, but they are 3-0 and after a victory Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll be joined later on in the program by former Patriots uh, fullback Heath Evans, now of the NFL Network. You can follow him on Twitter at HeathEvans44. We'll talk a little bit about Everything that's going on in the NFL with my co-host here, Bobby Kavitsky. Today's podcast is brought to you by DraftKings.com and Harry's.com. Of course, fantasy and shaving. I think any guy can get into both of those things. So, And lady as well. So, you know what? Those Harry's blades will probably work pretty well on your legs. Bobby Kavitsky, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good. You know, I don't use the Harry's, leg, the Harry's blades on my legs. I just, I just keep it to the face, try to keep it clean. And those Harry's blades, they do a great job of that. Uh, you're a young guy, you know. You're you're probably sitting there, and you, there's not a, not an ounce of hair on you. Probably nair. Uh, don't you. don't give me that young. I'm not prepubescent <laughs> over here. Bobby, the Patriots absolutely dominated the Jacksonville Jaguars. We both kind of picked that uh, last week on the Patriots Beat podcast uh, that it would not be close. I think I picked 41 to 17, and you were somewhere around the same thing. Nine possessions, nine scores. Uh, the 10th possession was kneeled down for Jimmy G, but they left some points out there. They left points on the board, off the board. Yeah, I thought they struggled both offensively and def- defensively in the first half, and maybe struggled is a bit harsh. You know, maybe that's being the Russian judge there. But I just felt like 
they could have executed better, especially in the first half. The second half was really where they turned it on. I know they scored on every possession up until those kneel downs by Garoppolo. But look, one possession that comes to mind is where they get down into the red zone. They get it into goal-to-go situation, and they can't punch it in. Brady tries to hit Gronk in, you know, towards the sideline and can't connect with him. It could have been a better pass, as was the case with a couple of Brady's throws. Most incompletions wasn't completely on his shoulders, but that one certainly was. And, you know, he almost threw a pick on the out route to Edelman before that. The running play on first and goal got stuffed. So there was certainly, you know, they could have executed better in the first half. I thought the Devin McCourty interception really is what set them on the path towards making this game a blowout. You know, and it's funny because I actually talked uh, last week on the podcast, I said, has Devin McCourty even made a play this season? He heard you. And he, he heard me. He uh, he channeled it, and uh, a beautiful play. Absolutely uh, read the eyes of uh, Blake Bortles and came right over there and, and made an interception. Actually, earlier, I think it was on the first, uh, first play of the game, um, he had a little miscommunication with Malcolm Butler. They both bumped into each other, and it could have been another interception there. Um, but yeah, this, this team, they, they did solidify some things on the defense side of the ball. And I think you are hundred percent right that McCourty's pick that took the wheels off Jacksonville. It was like, uh Oh, here we go. And next thing you know, they're getting their ass kicked. Yeah. It just, it looked to change the complexion of the game and the Patriots knew that it was time to put it into drive. And I'll tell you, on the near interception that you just brought up, I'm glad you bring this up with him and Butler fighting for the football. I noticed watching it live, and if you want to go back and look at it for yourselves, Doug Kide of Nesson.com posted a video of this. Watch how much ground Devin McCourty covers on that play. It's so impressive how much range he has as a free safety. And look, you were fair to call him out last week and say, where's Devin McCourty? I haven't seen a lot from him. But... You know, my answer at the time was his responsibility doesn't really call for him to, you know, put himself out there on the highlight reel and get himself noticed and be at the front of that conversation. His responsibility is to make sure this team doesn't get beat deep. And he covers so much ground, so much range in doing so. That play where he's fighting for the interception with Malcolm Butler, you would have liked for one of them to come down with it, of course. But it was just an example of how important it is to have Devin McCourty back there. Yeah, it is, and uh, you know, not often do I sit there and say, "Well, someone got more football than I did," but you got a little more football on me than I did right there. That was uh, that was a good one. That was a good one, Bobby. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. You know, the only thing I ever have against Deb McCourty is, you know, you're right. He does a very good job at stopping playing center field and 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 stopping you know the deep ball. The only knock I have against McCourty is I I sometimes find that he's He's he gets a little late to the sideline. You send something on the center of the field, he's he's excellent. Getting to the sideline in a, in a cover two defense or even a uh, you know a, a man defense with a cover two shell, I, I find he has a hard time getting out to the sideline. And I don't know if that's you know he he doesn't read it well or you know the responsibilities. I have to look at film a little more. The responsibilities are keeping him more on the inside of the field. And then he's reading the quarterback's eyes and then has to get over there. But that's the only knock I have on McCourty. Yeah, I know that he had a terrible play last season in Green Bay at the end of the first half 
Where yeah, and everyone blames Revis on that. Yeah, and it was much, much more on Devin McCourty's shoulders than it was on Darrell Revis's. But I, I don't overall mind his play around the sidelines. The first play when you mentioned this that came into my mind was the interception of Joe Flacco in the AFC divisional round where he got over to the sideline and made the play. The one that we're talking about right now from week three where him and Butler are fighting for the ball was over by the sideline. So I don't mind it overall. But I'll tell you what is also really encouraging from the free safety position, Deron Harmon, who, yes, and you know he had a play that I guess you could compare to McCourty's blunder last season in Green Bay. Harmon had a very bad play against Alan Hearns where he completely whiffed on him and allowed Hearns to take off down the field for a touchdown. But Deron Harmon, these first three weeks, has played very well, Jeff. He has. He definitely has played well. You know, and that's another thing where a cornerback will get a little more uh, grief than the safety should. You know, we talked. You just talked about uh, Dmac and and Darrell Revis against Green Bay last year. You know, Malcolm Butler. Everyone will everyone will sit there and say, "Oh, Butler just got burnt deep by Hearns." But it is you know an an over under bracket coverage there that you need. You know, it's help coverage, and and Butler thought he had it over the top. And he didn't, you know, and earlier in the game, um, you know, they, they went out and they talked about it. Uh, Butler almost had his hands on another pick down in the in towards the end zone. And they talked about, you know, the fact that he knew that he had help over the top. So he was able to play that a little more aggressively. And I think that's one thing that we're seeing with the secondary uh, and especially the way they're playing with these safeties, McCordy and Harmon is is these guys know that they have help over the top, so they're being a little more aggressive, a la maybe an Asante Samuel from uh, you know the mid-2000s. Yeah, and look, the Patriots, they spun the dial against Blake Bortles, as they frequently do. They played cover one, two, and three. Most effective, not surprisingly, in cover three. And then you know behind that is cover two, where you know the responsibility of the safeties, how important that is. And with Malcolm Butler... He talked about one of the sound bites that we got from him this week is Butler talking about how the two of the three touchdowns that he's given up have haunted him, you know, the last two, where what we've seen is we know he likes to gamble, and he's right there in coverage, the one against Jacksonville in week three. It was great recovery after he got beat, but then rather than just continuing to take those last few steps, he jumps up and he tries to make a play on the ball, and he's so close. But when you don't get it and you gamble in that situation, you can see what the result is often going to be. Both times it's been a touchdown, and really in all three cases, he gambled, didn't get it, was close, but gave up a touchdown as a result. But he sounds like someone who is learning that lesson, and what better time than that first month of the season, that first quarter of games, to learn to take those few extra steps and just gamble a little bit less. Couldn't agree with you more, but I like what I see out of the kid. He's Love a competitor. Really like what I see out of him. Um, Bradley Fletcher in the doghouse. Coleman got the start. Played pretty well, I thought. Yeah, I thought Coleman starting over Terrell Brown. It was surprising going in because we hadn't seen much about Terrell Brown being on the injury report. But he did appear to get hurt in the Buffalo game, so I think that was more for health and maintenance purposes than anything else. Bradley Fletcher was a situation that certainly was concerning because he was not getting it done as the number three corner. 
Logan Ryan was inconsistent. And Justin Coleman is a player who the Patriots tried to, you know, bring over to the practice squad before the season. He chooses Seattle. Spot opens up on the 53 here in New England. Patriots are able to get him this time. And I hope that he can solidify that number three cornerback role for them because that is an area of concern on this defense. It definitely is. Switching sides of the ball, we kind of talked a little bit already, scoring on nine possessions and nine tries. Tom Brady is taking the NFL by storm right now. He is absolutely killing it. Nine touchdowns, no interceptions, 1,154 yards, I believe, on the season. Uh, it's unreal where he is. he has gone already in this season. Now, granted, he didn't have to play a great defense last week uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, the uh, Newton High School football team <laughs> probably could have scored against them. Um, but played a very aggressive team in the Buffalo Bills. Um, a good to decent, a decent to good defense in Pittsburgh. But really what he's doing right now and what he's doing with uh, Gronk and Edelman and last week Amendola – uh, is really impressive. Like you mentioned the numbers, and it's like Rodney Harrison, what he said a couple weeks ago, that Tom Brady is locked in. Harrison said he could see it in Brady's eyes before the opening night game against Pittsburgh. This is a man possessed. He's got an extra chip on his shoulder because of what, you know, what happened to him this offseason, some of the things being said about his reputation, and we know how he does with that extra motivation. You know, six-round draft pick, on and on and on down the line to becoming, in both of our opinions, the greatest quarterback of all time. And you can't even argue that he's had the greatest career of any quarterback in history. So you just give him that extra source of motivation, and he's going to take advantage of it the way that he's doing. He is playing some of his best football to date. And, Jeff, even beyond just, you know, I think it is a bit, a bit unfair to just say, oh, yeah, well, this guy's got an extra source of motivation, and that's why he's playing well. Because in reality, we know how hard Tom Brady works on his craft. You know, a great Sports Illustrated piece touched on the work he does mentally, his, what his year-round diet is, which quite frankly sounds disgusting, but it allows him to get... You don't like avocado ice cream? Yeah, exactly. I'm not a big fan of cacao. But, you know, nonetheless, it allows him to get optimal results, and that's why... He does this, and one of the most mind-boggling things to me, I've mentioned it several times on this show in the past, is the fact that as he gets into his late 30s, he's becoming more mobile and more effective with his legs. I'm not calling him Michael Vick circa 2005 here. I'm just saying that he's been able to do a much better job of extending plays, of becoming more effective outside of the pocket as he's hit his late 30s, and that, to me, is a testament to his work ethic, and his drive, and his love of the game. It's unbelievable. And as we record this show on September 30th, it's a year ago to the day where people put a fork in Tom Brady after the Kansas City uh, game. I got some stats for you here, Bobby. In the 18 games, 12 regular season uh, in, in 2014, three postseason games and three to start 2015 this is Tom Brady's stats since he took on Cincinnati when they were 
famously on for Cincinnati, on to Cincinnati. 713 attempts, 481 completions, good for 67% of his passes. 5,351 yards, 48 touchdowns versus only 11 interceptions, and a QB rating of 104.3. Yeah, Let that sink in. Yeah, Jeff. And let's keep in mind, add a little more context to that. That's including where he played you know, a, a half of the game against Buffalo at the end of the season, meaningless, yep. but they had everything sewed up. The week before that against the Jets, you know, part of it was Rex Ryan and part of it was them playing a vanilla offense. And against the Jets in that first meeting where they won on Chris Jones blocking a Nick Folk field goal, don't forget that they were coming off five days rest. And the game plan on both sides of the ball was really just let's, let's win this game and move on and try to escape as healthy as possible. Ironically, they lost Chandler Jones in the game to a hip injury, but that really was the game plan. Didn't call for anything too crazy and certainly not to the levels that the game plan was at in some of those weeks after this. Couldn't agree with you more. And looking forward to seeing what the rest of this season has for Tom Brady, because right now he is out to, as good of a start as he was in 2007, where he then set a record for touchdown passes on a season with 50. You know what? It's a different offense this year. Julian Edelman, this is a kid that I just love. I love Julian Edelman. You know, and and this is going to be the horn-blowing show with three weeks into the season, early bye, but 30 receptions, 279 yards and two touchdowns, second in the league in receptions, I think he tops it out in targets. He is just everything you want in a wide receiver. Gets can play outside, can play in slot, inside. What do you call himself, Slotty Pippen? I just, <laughs> I, I just love this kid. Yeah, Julian Edelman has become one of the best and arguably the best slot receiver in football now. You know, it depends on how you want to categorize Antonio Brown there, but his production these last couple of years has been absolutely phenomenal and just huge for the Patriots because Danny Amendola is very productive in that third role for them, but he was not, he was not, you know, living up to being Wes Welker's replacement and being the next one in that lineage. And Julian Edelman, who, again, I said it last week when we talked about J 11, he's different than Wes Welker. He's not even in the same role because they're different players. Edelman is quicker, he's twitchier, he's more athletic, he's stronger. I believe that he's taller than Welker as well, I'm pretty sure. And so it's just, it's a similar, but it's a different role. And he has been so effective in this offense and the rapport and the chemistry that him and Brady have developed. It's fantastic to see because he's such an integral part of this offense. And Jeff, I got to be honest, one player who we sung his praises for his performance against Buffalo, and you know where I'm going, is uh, yeah, Aaron Dobson. And what did I say? I said he's now got to not only stay on the field, but he's got to build off of his performance in Buffalo and become more consistent. He's got to start to put it together. Well, against Jacksonville, it looked like a step back because he really didn't contribute all that much. 
Uh, he didn't contribute great in the passing game. Had a nice block on the running game. I'll, I'll give him that. You know, caught one ball. I think it was for 15 yards. Uh, I wonder how much it had to do with game plan specific, um, you know, and seeing what they could do. They got Amendola involved a little more, and, and even Keyshawn Martin uh, catching a touchdown pass. Beautiful play there, and, and, and seeing exactly where they could go with, with him. I think they kind of brought in Martin more in the second half to see exactly um, what they were going to get there. And this kid could be a little bit of a find, uh, you know, three catches on the day, almost as many as he had last season in Houston. Keyshawn Martin has a role on this offense moving forward. He was not just brought in for special teams, as evidenced by the reps he got in this game and his ability to produce. That touchdown he got was a great job of him in a scramble drill where things start to break down. He's able to create space for himself. Brady finds him. And he takes the house for six. Keyshawn Martin has a role in this offense. And Jeff, we talked last week about, you know, how much this offense is already putting out there on tape because of how much more is yet to come. It gets you excited to know how far ahead they are at this point because of how much is coming down the pipe and how complex this offense is truly going to become once they hit midseason and, you know, going into the playoffs, assuming they're in position, you know, for the postseason, which right now seems pretty safe to say at least. But, you know, it's only a matter of time now before they get Brandon LaFell back. And there's another piece to this offense. And it can be just the multiplicity to this offense is really exciting to watch through three games. Usually they don't put that much out there on tape, but because they just, there's so much they can run and they can be so creative with the pieces they have and the fact that most of them have continuity playing together, being in this offense last year, it's really exciting to see how dynamic and how diverse the Patriots offense has already been through three games. And it really has been. And, you know, I'm not going to say the emergence of Keyshawn Martin, because, I mean, three catches, 33 yards is is no emergence. Uh, But Kembro Tompkins was released from the practice squad on Wednesday, Uh, you know, and a little surprised to me because I thought he'd be the guy that, you know, stepped up, especially with his history, uh, his rookie year uh, in New England and, and the rapport that he had with Tom Brady. But, you know, with LaFell coming back and, you know, after the bye, I think he'll be eligible to return after week six, if I remember correctly. Correct. So there'll be uh, two games and then he can return. Keyshawn Martin stepping up and, of course, Harper on the practice squad. Uh, Kemper Tompkins wasn't going to play in this offense. So, it's exciting to see how they how they do these things. Yeah. Another another thing, Bobby, if we could switch up a little bit and go to my favorite thing, the running backs. Um, it was nice to see Dion Lewis hold on to the ball. Did a nice job. He is extremely slippery. Legarrette Blount absolutely shut them down in the second half. I mean, they just handed the ball to him and he opposed their will on him. And it was nice to see uh, fourth second year player and fourth round pick last year. James White, you know, getting some playing time and playing decently enough that uh, Cadet was released uh, earlier this week in, in after the Bostic trade. Yeah, it was going to be really difficult to make the trades they did, balance this roster out, and keep five running backs. And as a result, you know that James White's not going to go. A fairly high draft pick from only a year ago, Cadet is, you know, that's just the one who has to fall on that grenade. And so I have really liked what I've seen, this combination 
of Deion Lewis and LeGarrette Blount. And Jeff, you brought up the start talking about Lewis, that he didn't fumble. I'm really glad that's not a talking point going into the bye week, that it, you know, it wasn't three straight games. It was only two. That gives you a bit more confidence in Lewis in terms of holding on to the ball because he has been fantastic for this team. He has completely locked up that role as the pass catching slash third down back for them. And then in the second half with the big lead, they go to LeGarrette Blount to grind the game up. And the big man punches it in for three touchdowns. He ends up with 18 carries overall, 78 yards to go along with those three scores. So really nice performance from LeGarrette Blount to help the Patriots grind this game away in the second half. And LeGarrette Blount absolutely killed me in my DraftKings league. Uh, you know, I do the DraftKings every every single week here for uh, CLNS Radio, and I took Dion Lewis thinking that he'd have a great uh, great week, but unfortunately, um, he did have a good week. But it was Blount getting all the uh, red zone touches, and next thing you know, I'm turning around and and, and I'm not in the money yet again. So, uh, you know, let's let's just take a break here and uh, and talk a little bit about DraftKings and. Uh, what we can see moving forward, because DraftKings is going to keep you excited this week, even with the Patriots not playing. Your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test every week this season at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. With one-week fantasy football, there's no season-long commitment. If you get an injured player, it's no problem. It's like a new season every week, so you've never stuck with the same players. And get this, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. That means you could turn your love for football into a payday of a lifetime. Just pluck your players with a pile of points and pick up your cash. That's it. Believe me, you've never experienced football like this before. This isn't fancy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now. Use my promo code NEWENGLAND and play for free with your first deposit in this Sunday's $1 million fancy football contest where first place takes home a hundred grand. Enter New England for the free entry now, only at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And of course, each and every week on the CLNS Patriots Beat Podcast, I give you my DraftKings Players of the Week, the guys that I'm picking for one of the millionaire makers. And unfortunately, again, last week, I struck out as always. Some reason I can't make it right for you guys. I made, made a little money on one of my other uh, DraftKings leagues, but... Uh, Last week had a tough, tough, tough week. This week, listen, the Patriots not playing. It's a good day for the red zone. Uh, check it out, and here is what you can expect. This is what I got coming on this week for DraftKings. It's going to be uh, pretty good, I think. Here it is right now. Um, I got at quarterback. Going with Aaron Rodgers against San Francisco. Cost me 7900 bucks, but he's well worth worth it. Uh, Murray, the running back from Oakland, 6300 bucks, going to go up against Chicago. Feeling good about that. Maybe a week late on my next uh, running back, uh, Randall from Dallas, who absolutely exploded last week. Taking him and Larry Fitzgerald on a two-game hot street. Going up against St. Louis, taking him, 6500 bucks. A.J. Green, another wide receiver doing some good things, 7600 bucks grabbing him. Uh, Ruben Randall from the New York Giants against the Buffalo Bills. Listen, Buffalo's got a good defense, but they're bad against the pass. Randall had a big game uh, against the Washington Redskins uh, Thursday night ago, uh, and I expect him to, uh, especially coming back after 10 days off, to go from there. Bringing in Cowboys uh, 
tight end Jason Witten to uh, to do some good things uh, in, as my tight end. Then uh, Williams, the running back from Buffalo against the uh, New York Giants. Get him for a steal for what I think is 3400 bucks. And the Jets defense against the lowly Miami Dolphins. That's what I'm thinking right now. Let's get back to the Patriots Beat podcast. So definitely check out DraftKings.com. Use the promo code and uh, play this weekend because without the Patriots playing this weekend, you know, they got that NFL Red Zone channel. That's a great fantasy football channel. Kick it up with DraftKings. Win yourself some money. But don't use my lineup because three weeks in a row and, and, and no cash. So what are you going to do, right, Bobby? Hey, it's the first quarter of the season. Teams are getting better. You're getting better as a fantasy football manager. That happens. Jeff, I have no doubt that you'll be in serious competition for some significant earnings as we get towards the end of the season. You know what just kills me not to you know sit here and talk uh, fantasy football uh, or my personal fantasy football team because it's great to talk fantasy football, but my personal fantasy football, I'm in three separate leagues that don't involve you know weekly cash prizes and stuff like that. It's, it's weekly, you know, it's a year-long thing. And I'm three and zero, three and zero, and two and one. And I'm in the two and one league. I'm the highest scoring team. I just happen to hit a buzz saw and lose by one point in week two. So I can do that. It's just these other people are way smarter than I am. Dude, that's what happens. DraftKings throws money out short term, and that's when you get you know the the big time players show up for. That's what they want. If if your three and zero teams were in DraftKings. You'd be sitting on a pretty penny, my friend. Uh, someday, someday we'll be able to, you know, pay off the mortgage with my fantasy football winnings. But let's get in talking a little more about the New England Patriots because, uh, as we alluded to a little bit before uh, before the break, there, um, they made some trades. They made some roster moves. Um, we talked about Cambro Tompkins getting waived um, and John Bostic being traded for uh, six round pick linebacker uh, from Chicago. Last year, led the uh, Bears in tackles uh, with 58. Um, he can play with a little bit of a mean streak. Does some pretty nice things um, in both the run defense and pass uh, pass coverage. I like this move. Uh, Dakota Watson was cut off the uh, the roster as well. I, I like this move. I, I like this move for Bostic. It gives them uh, another linebacker and helps along with the, the deal we're going to talk about for Hicks helps kind of solidify this uh, run defense, which although last week held held the Jaguars down, the Jaguars got behind very quickly, so they weren't running the ball as much. But uh, what are your thoughts right now on the Bostic and Hicks trade? Yeah, we'll start with Bostic, and I'm very happy about this addition. They have him under control for next season. He's better against the run than he is, in, than he is against the pass, but he can drop back into zone coverage. And Bill Belichick talked about this is a player who can play all four downs, they believe. He's got experience on special teams. And he was dealing with some health health issues, his ankle and his back. But he says that he's good to go now. He's feeling healthy. So, you know, uh, they're getting him at the right time, too, with the bye week, a chance to learn the system, a chance for him to continue to get treatment and get healthy so he can be out there on the field and produce. And most importantly for the Patriots, from a, you know, from a looking at a snap chart, a snap chart of the depth chart. Most importantly, he brings them quality depth at linebacker now, a position that appears at least to be solidified. You know, you take off Dakota Watson and you bring on Bostic, who is much more valued to them in terms of 
you know, in terms of defense and can play special teams too. So I really like this addition. It makes things easier on Jonathan Freeney, who can really just focus on special teams now. I like what they have at linebacker. Jeff, I also think this might mean that when Dane Fletcher comes off the pup, that there is not a place for him on this roster. Which will, yeah, I don't, I don't see them being a place on the roster. I mean, they just re-signed Freeney to a two-year contract extension. They like what they see out of him uh, on the special team side of things. Uh, you, of course, have Gerard Mayo, um, who really hasn't hit his stride yet. He's, he's not playing a lot of snaps. This is a, a guy that up until two years ago was the leader of this defense, uh, back-to-back injury-shortened seasons, and, and, and guys like Jamie Collins and Donta Hightower have really stepped up and, and are playing a vast majority of the snaps. Um, it'll be interesting as things progress uh, what Mayo's role will be, Bostick's role will be, and I think you're right. Uh, you know, uh, Dane Fletcher, you know, he might just stay on that pop. He might be moved to IR. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see because I just I, I don't see the the value. You know, health changes the situation, and that's always a fluid situation, especially in a game like football. But I just don't see a spot. With you know, with the linebackers they have healthy, I don't see a spot for Dane Fletcher. And then looking at the Hicks trade, that was a very good addition as well. You know, Pooman was the fourth tight end. Michael Williams clearly beat him out, and I love what he brings to this team. It's an upgrade in my opinion. And so why he's huge? Yeah, he is a massive dude who can fulfill a similar role to what Cameron Fleming did last year as that extra blocker, but because of his experience at Alabama as a tight end, he can also go out and catch passes, especially in the red zone. And we've seen him, you know, bring in a couple of catches this season. Catch for so 15 yards, loved it. Exactly. So no one's going to confuse him with Randy Moss, but he can, he does bring a different dynamic that they didn't have in this role last year, primarily relying on Fleming. And looking at Hicks now in that acquisition, it just makes sense that, someone who lost their spot here and is you know, in a contract season and who, man, gets swapped for someone who's on an 0-3 team in New Orleans who is in a similar situation. Hicks, Hicks was benched there, but there's a lot of talent there. Former third-round pick, large defensive end, who he's much more of a 3-4 player than he is a 4-3, which leads me to believe that you're going to see Hicks primarily line up inside because of his size, and I think he's going to help them against the run. I agree with you right there. Listen, different take on this here because you have Sean Payton and Bill Belichick making a trade. Of course, uh, they did, of course, practice together earlier this year um, in the preseason, in training camp. Uh, They get a familiarity with each other. They're both from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Uh, They've swapped players here, and you get a guy – in Hicks, who, you know, Belichick got one-on-one practice views of him. I'm sure there's some film up there that he has of him practicing. And on the flip side, you get Hooman, uh, and I'm going to say it one more last time because I'm not going to get to say it anymore, Michael Hooman Aonui. It's so cruel, Jeff. It's so, it it's hurts. so cruel. That was it hurts. that you had down cold, and they go ahead it, and trade him. I can't say our offensive line coach's name for the life of me. You just call him I can't. I, I'll have to just call him Gooch. I'll try every once in a while. But you know what? Who and I they they trade him and whatever. But la- uh, a couple years ago in 2013, uh, against the Saints, uh, he had four catches for 57 yards. 
Peyton knows the system. Peyton knows what he what he's got. He's seen him practice. So I, I wonder how much of this is, you know, all right, I have an extra tight end. You have an extra defensive tackle. And here it is. Yeah, I think that was certainly the case. Pooman's not playing here. Hicks isn't playing in New Orleans. Boom, let's swap them out. They're both on contract years. So, you know, if we can find a situation more accommodating, then by all means, let's do it. And it works for both teams. Patriots looking to improve against the run, which they did against Jacksonville. I know people think, oh, it's the Jaguars, but TJ Yeldon's gotten off to a good start this season, and the Patriots' run defense was very effective. And, Jeff, that leads me to the next player I want to discuss. Dominique Easley had a very good game. You saw his explosion off the line. He, he's the first one off the line almost every single time. It, he's actually – it's gotten to the point where what you can see is he overdoes it at times, and he'll, he'll just get too aggressive, and he comes off the line so fast that you know, he, creates, he creates a lane for running backs to take advantage of. But there's plenty of times where he's disruptive. There's a couple of plays where Bortles hasn't even gotten the ball to the running back yet and Easley's in the backfield ready to go make a play. So, you know, offenses are going to notice this on film and they're going to scheme to it, traps, counters, whatever. They're going to look to take advantage of his explosion off the line. But it's very encouraging to see. And if he can just combine that with a bit more awareness and some more discipline, just dial it down just a scotch, then it's going to be really exciting to see how effective he becomes because he came here, Jeff. The explosion was touted because of his pass rushing abilities. What we've seen is how good he has the potential to be against the run as well. No, exactly. And we both know uh, who I've likened him to before, which would be uh, Hank Thomas. Um, and, and, I, and I'm seeing that more and more. It was nice to see him come back after the hip injury. Uh, and and play well, and I see a lot of Henry Thomas in uh, Dominic Easley, uh, the ability to stop the run as well as uh, get after the passer. I like it a lot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So just the combination and the multiplicity that they have along this front seven. And look, quite frankly, I think their most effective pass rushers are the linebackers, Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower. And Collins, right up the A-gap. Collins when he gets to rush, is so effective it's he's just so hard to block with his physical talents and he's a really smart player and a smart pass rusher as well so it's it's always fun to watch when Bill Belichick allows those two and Matt Patricia as well of course when the de- when the defense you know calls for those two to go and get after the quarterback and what you have along the edge where Jabal Sheard another guy who is surprised with how good he has proven to be against the run to this point in the season and the fact that he keeps Chandler Jones fresh which helps make him a more effective pass rusher it helps Jones really only come out there in situations where he gets to do what he does best and that's get after the quarterback you know we talked last week about Rob Ninkovich not looking like Rob Ninkovich just yet Sheard also is big in that area in terms of keeping Ninkovich fresh pacing him throughout the season so it's really exciting, the versatility and the quality depth they have along this front seven. Oh, exactly. And stay tuned because we do have an interview coming up with former New England Patriot Heath Evans, now of the NFL Network. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up uh, on Jamie Collins is, would you take this trade? 
any day. Cordelli Patterson, or Cordell Patterson, or however the hell you say his name. You do it with, you know, LaDavion Bell, Cordarelli Patterson. You you got them yeah. all. And I, I I can't get it. I can't get it. Whatever. Jeff, Patterson. Just for you, we're going to continue to work Michael Human Wananui into the broadcast. Human Wananui. Yeah, see, I can't even do it. That <laughs> it's freaking ridiculous. You, you got that one down cold. I'm crying inside. I was going to order myself a number 47 jersey and just wear it around, you know? We'll do Who Man <laughs> Trivia or something. <laughs> but Patterson, you trade trade Patterson for Jamie Collins, Deron Harmon, Logan Ryan, and LeGarrette Blount. Now, three of those players we've mentioned in very good light tonight, um, being Blount, uh, Collins, Collins and 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 uh, the other guy, <laughs> Harmon, and, and even Logan Ryan got the start opposite of Butler. I'll take that trade all the time. That was a great trade by the New England Patriots. Yeah, that trade, and you know, it really came into the spotlight last year when, in Week Two, the Patriots went to go play the Vikings. But that is a home run. And look, you know, sometimes you make a trade like that, and for one reason or another. Even though you get more kicks at the can, it doesn't work out. And the team with the higher pick, they get the better end of the deal. Case in point, Atlanta getting Julio Jones. You know, they gave up a massive haul, but they won that deal in a landslide. Julio Jones is one of the best receivers in football. But yep. then this is a case of, you know, for a variety of reasons, the Patriots won this deal in a landslide because they said they got more kicks at the can and the quality of players that they've been able to bring in as a result of it, including one of the best players on this defense, one of the best young linebackers in all of football, Jamie Collins. This trade was a home run for New England. Oh, exactly. A home run right out of the ballpark. Listen, before we get Heath Evans on to talk a little bit about uh, the NFL and the Patriots, let's let's just go around right now and, and look at this league. Um, there's some surprises out there, and there's some – uh, you know, not so big surprises. I think the biggest surprise for me right now is the fact that the entire AFC South is one and two. Um, you know, as 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 bad as the Colts looked to begin the season, as soft as they looked, the fact that they were down 14 points against the ja- uh, against the Titans and came back and won. They're one and two, and because of how soft that division is, it doesn't matter. They can still roll into the playoffs. I, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I got to be honest. I think that, you know, like you just said, the AFC South is just so soft. And look, the, those three teams, Tennessee with Mariota, Houston, another year under Bill O'Brien, Clowney appears to be healthy at the moment. So we'll see what type of career that he ends up having after not doing anything his rookie season. Jacksonville, another year under Gus Bradley. You can see that there is young talent on that roster, most notably at the wide receiver and quarterback position. Now they bring in T.J. Yeldon from Alabama at running back. So those teams are progressing, but even with how bad the Colts have looked, and they've looked awful, quite frankly, which is not a huge surprise because – of how soft they are in the trenches on both sides of the ball. But the Colts still should not have much difficulty winning the AFC South. Yeah, they really shouldn't have much uh, difficulty at all winning the AFC South. But and actually, 
I look at this team, the, the Colts, and we, we've called them soft and this and that, and I'll talk, we'll talk with Heath Evans a little bit about the Colts and their one and two start. But one of the other big surprises for me in the NFL is the Arizona Cardinals. They're 3-0. and They have been unbelievable on both offense and defense. Larry Fitzgerald is just killing it right now. Um, and they have a coach in Bruce Arians who, if you don't forget, um, was the Colts interim uh, head coach when Pagano unfortunately had to, uh, you know, have cancer surgery. So I I wonder if the Colts are sitting there and looking and saying, man, we got rid of, we got rid of the wrong guy. Yeah. Look, Bruce Arians had a ton of success that year in Indianapolis. We know he can coach very impressed with how he's built this team in Arizona. Believe it or not, Brady, I believe since 2007, has only lost once at home, and that was to Arizona. So Bruce Arians is building a very impressive football team out there in the NFC West. They're 3-0 and right now. There's a ton of talent. Right there, Last year when Carson Palmer got hurt, they were neck and neck with the Patriots for the best record in football, and that injury just changed the complexion of their season. But they're once again, as long as they can stay healthy, especially Carson Palmer, they're once again going to be competing and have a very legitimate chance to win that division. Staying in the NFC West, Jeff, bottom of the division, San Francisco, no surprise, but Seattle, one and two. This is a team who, even with the Cam Chancellor holdout, you know, I believe even Vegas had going into the season as the Super Bowl favorites. So much, so much talent among their starters, but in order to pay all these guys, including now the quarterback position, Russell Wilson, they've had to shave off a lot of their depth. The offensive line has taken major hits the last several years, including trading Brian Unger for Jimmy Graham. So Seattle has got to be frustrated because they have not played very well this first month of the season. And someone on this podcast in the off season happened to say that Pete Carroll was going to start to war, wear out his welcome down there in uh, Seattle, out west in Seattle. That Super Bowl play, the pass, it's his downfall. It is exactly the same as the downfall when he was with the New York Jets on the fake spike by uh, um, Dan Marino. It's the downfall of the USC program. After instead of uh, putting Reggie Bush in for a crucial uh, run at the end of the uh, end of the game versus Texas uh, in the national championship game, they ran Lendell White up the middle, uh, and and many many things that they've uh, they've they've done when they were with New England and and how he just ran a loosey goosey ship here. I said it in the off season. Seattle's done. Yeah, and look, I don't want to make the same overreaction that people made about the Patriots during the first month of last season, because Seattle has a ton of talent amongst their starters. But, you know, let's not forget, you talk about questionable decisions that Pete Carroll's made. Week one, he made another one. You know, he follows up the Super Bowl by, in overtime against a division opponent in St. Louis, opts for an onside kick, and... St. Louis recovers it and sets them up to score the game-winning touchdown. You know that, and then they run out of shot. They run Marshawn Lynch out of shotgun. Yeah, so 
you know, Pete Carroll did not get the season started on the right foot in terms of play calling, and his team has not looked great to start the season. A team who really impressed me last week, Jeff, I watched a fair amount of that Cincinnati-Baltimore game, and the Bengals, with their track record of primetime games and postseason performances and the lack of success they've had in that regard. I know it wasn't a night game, but they're taking on a division opponent in Baltimore who needs that game to avoid going 0-3. The last team to make the playoffs after starting 0-3 was the Bills in the late 90s. So they're fighting for it against a division opponent, and Baltimore comes back and hits a Steve Smith touchdown late in the game, and you're just saying to yourself, classic Cincinnati. But then they step up, they respond. Red Rocket. Yeah, Andy Dalton and A.J. Green put the team on their backs, and they're able to lead the Bengals to a very important victory in terms of how they won the game and who they beat, a division rival in a situation where they had to step up at the end of the game and make plays, and they did. And that's something that we haven't seen from the Bengals almost ever under Marvin Lewis, to be quite honest. Not in that situation against that type of opponent performing as well as they did. It was very impressive to see. And it's only the first month of the season, so again, it's way too early to make any definitive statements here. But it gets you wondering, is this maybe not the same old Bengals? Well, you know, with Cincinnati sitting at 3-0 and and now the Ravens at 0-3, uh, you know, Cleveland is not ready for primetime right now. And with Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you know, unfortunately getting injured, I really, you know, hate injuries to any star player. It, it, it stinks. You know, I don't think it was a cheap shot or anything like that, but he's out four to six weeks with a MCL sprain. Uh, this could be a, an easy division for Cincinnati to wrap up by Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, just look at... Pittsburgh might go 0-6 with Michael Vick at quarterback if Roethlisberger's out for six weeks, of course, because now they've got the Ravens, then at San Diego, then the Cardinals at Kansas City, then the Bengals, and then the Raiders is the one game they might win. So I have them, if Roethlisberger misses their next six games, I have them going 0-5, and maybe they turn around and go 1-6, but maybe things are so bad with Michael Vick at the helm, that they do go 0-6. But either way, a very tough position that's going to put them behind the eight ball in the division. Oh, exactly. Let's just hop real quickly on to the AFC East, as, of course, this is the Patriots Beat Podcast on Steelness Radio. The the Bills responded to their uh, thrashing by the Patriots by going out and thrashing the Miami Dolphins. How the Dolphins have won a game, I, I... yet to figure this one they out. played because, Washington, that's how. Yeah, Washington does suck. But um, Washington beat the Rams, who beat the you know Seahawks to begin the season. So I can't figure out the NFL. The Dolphins are done. Joe Philbin, when we had Omar Kelly on earlier in the uh, offseason, um, we talked to him, and Philbin's seat's pretty hot, and I think it is there. Jets came back down to earth, fall to two and one after losing to uh, Chip Kelly and the Philadelphia Eagles. So Patriots are a game up on uh, both the Bills and the Jets. Uh, again, this comes down to quarterback play, and and neither one of them has a stud quarterback yet. Uh, as great as the defenses are, um, you know, I say as great as they are, the Bills' defense is actually better than they were against the Patriots. Tom Brady, you know, made them his bitch. 
but this is what it is. You know, it's been this way since 2001. There has not been a quarterback opposite Tom Brady who could play uh, in the AFC East. Yeah, and look, let's call a spade a spade. Those four fifteen games on Sunday were awful. They sucked. And right at the forefront of that was the Miami Dolphins, who in their own stadium against a division opponent, they absolutely just laid an egg and got steamrolled. They got their teeth kicked in for 60 minutes against the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, for Rex Ryan, I'm sure it was great to see his team respond and just recover after what had to be a blow morally to them against the Patriots, losing that game the way it played out for the most part. And so they responded very impressively on the road against another division opponent. Miami, on the other hand, they look awful. And there's so much talent on that roster. But the team has just taken on the personality of its coach, Joe Philbin, who's a very nice guy, terrific person, but just way too passive-aggressive as an NFL head coach. That's not going to get results, and it hasn't. Omar Kelly talked about when he came on with us in the offseason, he was surprised that Philbin's back, and you can see why to start the season. It has been ugly there. Now, maybe, look, there was so much going on last year for the Patriots to rally around. Maybe Miami does something like that. You just don't know. But Joe Philbin doesn't instill any sort of confidence that's going to be the situation there. Even after the game, to paraphrase, he said something along the lines of, we are who we are right now. My God, yeah. I, I know that's not, you know, he's probably speaking differently in the locker room, but my God, there's just, he does not instill confidence. He doesn't inspire, he doesn't lead. It, uh, you know, this is all being said from the outside, of course, but you can see it in his tenure throughout being in Miami, that it's just not a coach who instills confidence and gets you to play at the level that you need to play at in the National Football League. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, let's get on to uh, a player that uh, played for both um, the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots in Heath Evans. This week's Harrys.com Patriots Beat guest is none other than former New England Patriot and NFL fullback Heath Evans. Heath is now an analysis for NFL Network, and you can follow him on Twitter at at HeathEvans44. You can see Heath throughout the week on NFL Network's NFL Total Access every night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and every Sunday you can check him out on NFL Game Day Live starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, which will provide you in-progress highlights and analysis of every NFL game on at that time. Heath, thanks for joining Patriots Beat today. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, that's great. Great to, great to have you on, and uh, I always look forward to hearing your stuff on uh, the NFL Network. It's, uh, it's enlightening to see uh, a former Patriot and former NFL player get out there and, and, and show some really nice views. Well, I, uh, I take what I've been taught. I played with some great coaches, Mike Holmgren, none greater than obviously Bill, and Sean Payton as well, and even a, a brief stint with, with Nick Saban, and learned a lot of football and try to give people, you know, stuff that they can't find on Google or uh, on Twitter or somewhere else. So uh, take my 10 years of playing experience and the coaching I received and tell people things that uh, they don't know because, you know, obviously they weren't blessed enough to, to be in a locker room like I was for all those years. So hopefully people enjoy it. I know on Twitter they, they seem to get after me a good bit, but uh, I can 
I can take it out and I can dish it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Uh, let's start uh, as a general question on the NFL in general here. Uh, we're three weeks into the season. Uh, what has been your biggest surprise team so far? Um, honestly, I guess you'd have to go with the Falcons. Um, I think Dan Quinn's got them playing inspired emotional football. I think he's getting a lot out of the talent that he has, especially defensively. We know what, you know, Matty Ice and Julio are capable of. I think it's impressive how they've been able to run the ball pretty consistently. Um, you know, there's been a lot of knock on that offensive line for years, and I always thought it was more the fact that, you know, Dirk Cutter, the old OC, who's now down um, in uh, Tampa Bay, would just never really commit to the run. But we've seen Dan Quinn kind of, um, really make that a focal point of the offense, and then it just makes Matt Ryan and Julio that much better. And then defensively, he's just got 11 guys that are trying to hit everything that moves, and they're hustling, and they're <laughs> playing simplistic defensive football, and um, it's it's um, it's good tape. It really is. So he's just got to be able to keep that team emotionally charged. Um, and that'll be a you know a tough task you know for 16 games of this long NFL season. 16 games is definitely a long amount of time uh, in the, the NFL season here. As we look on the AFC side of things, before we get into talking about the New England Patriots, I look at a team like the Denver Broncos, and you know people have sat there and and said that uh, Peyton Manning might be on the downfall. He's had a couple of good games back to back here, uh, one on Thursday Night Football, but he's got a defense right now that is playing as good, if not better, than any defense he's had in his entire career. What do you think this defense for Denver can do for Peyton Manning coming forward? <laughs> um, I'll just say this. I, I think versus average offenses, they can do a lot. <laughs> I, I, I've been on I've been on record and I've taken a beating again on Twitter for this. I think the level of praise that people are giving this Denver defense is fool's gold. You know, I think um, you know plenty of teams have shown the ability to neutralize Demarcus Ware and, and Von Miller. Um, you, you know, I know they they praise the two corners starting with Akeeb and, and rightfully so. Um, but I still look at this defense and say they haven't been challenged really in any way. I mean, you look at the combined record of the teams they've played is one and eight, um, and none of those are good offenses. I mean, Joe Flacco is, you know, yeah, he's a $20 million quarterback, and, yeah, he went on one heck of a run to win a Super Bowl ring, but he's hands down the most inconsistent quarterback in football. And it's an offense that has been sputtering now for three weeks. They're 0-3. You look at the Chiefs, there's some – pretty weapons on defense and you obviously have Jamal Charles, but it's a very limited offense and they have to be able to do certain things to even make a game of it. So if you look at, you know, really the things I look at that make championship teams, um, Peyton played better last week. Yeah, I'll give you that, but there's still a whole bunch of throws he can't make. And when smart defenses play him, they force him to make all the throws he can't make consistently anymore. And we've seen that now. I mean, you look at what, uh, Chuck Pagano did to him, you know, last year in the playoffs. And then you look at what Bill Belichick did to him last year midseason when they came to Foxborough. Um, you go back to the Super Bowl two years removed. Anytime this quarterback has faced a talented, well-coached defense, they've gotten embarrassed, and, and it hasn't been close. And so um, this defense will, for Broncos, will play good when they're allowed to play good because an offense isn't challenging their weaknesses. But I think, um, you know, in the coming weeks, definitely by the end of the year, People will see the the real not the heartbeat of the team. They've got a bunch of good guys, and they've got a bunch of guys that are, are good NFL players. But I think you'll see the real character of the team. Now, looking at two of the other teams that uh, the Patriots beat in the playoffs last year, the Indianapolis Colts 
and the uh, Seattle Seahawks, of course, winning in the Super Bowl. Both teams are out to a one and two start. Uh, Seattle looked to come along a little better last week, but again, that was against the Bears. Uh, Indianapolis had to do everything they could to go out and beat the Tennessee Titans. Uh, what's going on with these two teams? Well, I mean, the Colts—they're just built wrong. I mean, you spend all this money on bells and whistles, and you don't—you don't get the the real character of a team of what hoists championships, and that's offensive and defensive line. And you—I know this—you know—there um, was a lot more talented teams that I've played against during my four years in New England, and, and we beat the majority of them because there was a, a mental and physical toughness along our front lines on both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, again, it, it's like everyone accused me of, of being a homer and everyone accused me of just being mad at the Colts for the whole, you know, deflate gate nonsense or whatever else. When I said this, this might not even be a playoff team. It's definitely not a championship team. And everybody was picking them to win a Super Bowl. And I told everybody they were crazy. They were looking at me like I'm crazy. And now everyone got to see what I was talking about. And then in the makings of the Seattle Seahawks, this team has been built a certain way. And Pete Carroll, built it beautifully. He built a monster based on the quarterback he had as good as you possibly can. So you handle or you hand a young athletic quarterback that lacks maturity in a lot of ways from throwing in the pocket, the best defense in football, one of the best special teams units in football, and then arguably the best running back, if not the second best running back behind Adrian Peterson. And you build this strong uh, offensive line that's Pretty doggone good running the ball and eh, average when it comes to pass protection, but because your quarterback is mobile and elusive and basically Houdini, you can get away with that in the passing game and still win a Lombardi as they did two years removed. But when you start not replacing pieces in that offensive line, two years ago it was Brino Giacomini that went to the Jets. You know, This year they trade Jimmy Graham, Max Unger deal. Uh, they won a lot of games without Max Unger, but you lose Carpenter, their big nasty guard to the Jets. And then you're trying to plug and play guys that are inexperienced, and yet your team's been built a certain way. In the preseason, I said minus Cam Chancellor, and with the red flags that I've seen all over the offensive side of the ball in the preseason, don't be surprised if this team is the third best team in their division. And you would have thought I would I was speaking heresy, and it was blasphemous <laughs> what I was speaking for the heat I took. But now people see that there's holes, and this team has won a certain way. And when you start removing pieces of how they've won, it stresses your young quarterback more, despite the fact he's making $20 million. You know, he's he's not a Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, um, the old Peyton Manning type of quarterback. He's just not. He's not capable of doing those things, and that's why they can't get Jimmy Graham involved the way they wanted to. So um, they've got a lot to prove. They've got a lot to overcome. I definitely think between their coaching staff and the players that they're made up of, they can overcome it. But it's going to be a it's going to be a grind of a season for them, and, and they're going to have to start drastically improving quickly. Excellent. Well, you brought up the offensive line there, and I've always been a fan of the big uglies. You can't get an offense moving unless you have protection for your quarterback and holes open for your running game. Looking at the New England Patriots offensive line, there were some question marks going into the season, especially with uh, uh, Andrews and uh, Shaq Mason and Trey uh, Jackson yep. starting. How do you feel this offense, your auto-successment, how do you feel this offensive line has come together on a Dave uh, Gooch? It's 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 crazy, honestly. I mean, if, if you're most time you're lucky to have five offensive linemen that you truly trust in the the gritty parts of the game, and now when you get Lindell back and um, excuse me, Lindell, I went back to the old kicker, Lindell, <laughs> and you get you get back Stork, you're going to have seven players with legitimate game experience that obviously you can trust in the fire, and that's a beautiful thing because there's a lot of teams that are trying to find three or four guys you can trust to protect your quarterback and. You know, barring injury, 
uh, Josh McDaniels, Gucci, and Bill are going to be able to say, hey, listen, we can mix and match a lot of different things. You can go heavy personnel and bring in a, another lineman to, to play tight end. I mean, you can just really start to frustrate a lot of teams with all your different options that you can throw at people. So uh, it's been a pleasant surprise. you got to praise the teaching again because uh, people don't understand the, the technical difficulty that goes into preparing an offensive line every single week. And um, these boys are prepared. And, um, you know, the few times they get beat, Tommy's Tommy, and he gets rid of the ball in 1.8 seconds. And it's, it's fun it's to unreal. watch, i say that. You know, you brought up the uh, the situation where the Patriots can bring in a different uh, offensive lineman to play tight end. Uh, we've seen the rookie Shaq Mason line up at fullback. As someone who's played the position, <laughs> what have you seen that you, uh, you like uh, from Shaq Mason lining up at fullback? Well, you know what? I would love you to like 07 and 08 when I was our short yardage <laughs> goal line running back. I would have loved to have him my fullback. Uh, God God rest his soul, that being Junior Seau, he was fun to watch try to play fullback. He was maybe one of the best <laughs> linebackers to ever play the game. But when Bill said he was going to put him at fullback in front of me, I was like, oh, Lord, this this might not be good. So um, Shaq's done a good job. You know, and it, it's basically about knowing your landmarks and knowing your keys. And, again, I, I go back to – if guys are willing to listen, you know, when you're in a Patriots uniform, if you're truly just willing to humble yourself and listen, this coaching staff's going to put you in the right position the majority of the time. And and then you just go let your God-given ability take over. And, um, again, it's, it's uh, I was texting back and forth with uh, Bill uh, two days ago. It's, there's just a lot of fun tape to watch and, um, you know, still a lot of room for this team to improve too, which um, is encouraging. Yeah, it's unbelievable when they go out and score on nine possessions. Uh, on all nine of their possessions, except for the kneel down on Sunday against the Jaguars, that they left a lot of points out on the board. Uh, you uh, you played the first time around with Josh McDaniels uh, as the offense coordinator. What have you seen in the growth of McDaniels from his first time around to now? Um, he's always been a guy that I think could see outside the box and, and see week to week, hey, this needs to change, that needs to change. And the one thing I've always loved about you know, even when I got there and Dante Skarnecki in 05 was the offensive coordinator, this is a, always a game plan team. I mean, our, our game, our playbook could tra- change drastically from week to week. I think with Josh, it's always just been that gut feeling of what's that defensive coordinator going to call? What do they normally do in this down and distance? What's their tendency that we've seen on film, not just from the last three or four weeks, but historically, what does this coach like to do? And it really is a, a gut feeling, you know, and it really is, an understanding of, yeah, what are we seeing on tape, but that so-called chess match that everybody talks about. Um, I'm not sure how much that's changed over the last couple of years. I just think anytime you take on a head coaching job, there's a lot more demanded of you. And, and I think you always learn things. And I think Josh learned a lot from his time in Denver. And I know he's learned a lot in his stint being back with Bill and the staff. Um, you know, is he deserving of another uh, head coaching job? Absolutely. Um, and I think the next time around will be that much better for him. We saw it definitely with uh, Bill Belichick and even Pete Carroll. It took him three turns to uh, to get out there and and with the, win with the Seahawks. Uh, it's looking it's at funny. The, you know, I was I was arguing with someone this morning on Twitter. They were like, <laughs> "What is Bill without Brady?" I'm like, "You idiot! Go back and look at the history. Look at his stint in Cleveland. Took over a garbage team. Every year they got better, better, and better until the last year when the team was ripped out from underneath them when they announced the move and you know the team just." emotionally and physically fell apart, which you can't blame anybody for that. And so, um, you know, it, it is – Bill's history in this league is, is solidified in many ways as a head coach as well as a defensive coordinator and, most importantly, just a, a great teacher. 
Oh yeah, people forget that he was, you know, uh, eleven and five uh, in 1994, and then in '95 yeah. we started that team out at five and three, and then Art Modelo announces the move, and I mean they were in first place in the old Central Division, and it got yanked out from under them. So, yeah, it's uh, I wouldn't have wanted to be on that team. I tell you that that would have been brutal emotionally and physically. Oh, definitely, unbelievably. Um, listen, you were on the uh, 2007 team that uh, set so many records for the uh, for the NFL. Um, and of course, you know, you can't bring it out without talking about, um, spy gate and, and this nonsense this past year, uh, with the flake gate here, I, we've seen what the Patriots have done the first three games of the season. I'm not asking you to give away trade secrets right now, but in 2007, was there a chip on everyone's shoulder just to blow people out and show them? And do you think they're doing that this year? Well, I can be honest with you in 2007, it was never mentioned again. It was dealt with after week one. Bill took it on the chin like the man he is. Obviously, the players and ownership, no one knew anything about it. So he moved on and asked us never to speak of it again, and we never did. I, I said it a minute ago on, on another, you know, Patriots local station that, you know, that collective group of talent in, in 07 just realized that I think we had the opportunity to be super special. And, you know, for me, I realized it real quick. And, you know, it, it meant that my playing time was cut down from, you know, 30-plus snaps a game to – you know, sometimes eight, sometimes 18. And then when we got into the later course of the, the, the year where there was worse weather, you know, I was playing 40 and 45 snaps. But this team surrendered to, I guess, the desire for personal goals and, and um, stats and everything else because there was something about that team early that we realized, man, not only could we be good, but we could be the greatest ever. And the only thing that could really stop us offense and defensively and special teams would be ourselves. And I'm not even sure that's something Bill ever really said. I think the players definitely talked about it. I remember conversations with, with Tommy and conversations with Brewski and Braves and uh, even Rodney. And, and they've been in the league so much longer than me at that point And just trying to really wrap my mind around how special we could be. And I think based on how I know Bill builds his teams as well as, as Robert builds his team, that I don't think it's so much the, the deflate gate nonsense that's driving this team. Um, humanly speaking, I'm sure it's in everyone's mind that they want to prove the world wrong, especially Tommy. But I think it's much more about these guys realizing that, man, we can be great. And the opportunity to be back-to-back world champions and the opportunity to do something that no one else other than 53 men in the world could say they've done, I think is more of what drives them than trying to, prove people wrong because they're bitter because at the end bitterness is just going to ruin everybody and I think it's ultimately a bad source of motivation um I think there is a competitive natural edge to stuff that's been said about this team that will drive them for forever but I think it's much more about realizing man we've got a unique blend of talent offensively defensively especially that defensive front seven um that doggone I think they're just trying to capture the the potential to be great excellent Final question here, Heath. Uh, you got uh, we mentioned earlier today with uh, Tom Brady and and Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, and, and putting him against uh, Peyton Manning and of course uh, Russell Wilson. You got two number twelves right now. One has nine touchdowns and and no interceptions. The other one has ten touchdowns and no interceptions. All things being equal, starting a team, they're both the same age. Who do you take, Rodgers or Brady? Well, of course, I take Tommy. I mean, because I, I know Tommy. I never got <laughs> to play with there, you know. And so I, I know every little detail about him for what I saw for four years. And, and so um, I tell you this, when, when you watch Aaron, though, 
if you're if you're building a quarterback, if you got to play God for a minute, you'd build him just like Aaron. You'd build the mind, you'd build the vision, you'd build that six four, two hundred and twenty five pound frame, you'd build the feet, you'd build the, the ability just to that same sixth sense that Tommy has where they just kind of flee the pocket right at the nick of time. There's no way they saw the guy behind them. Um the unique features between these two, um, there's very, very, very few that have ever had it. You know, you just give the athletic check to Aaron over Tommy. <laughs> you know, I'm six foot one, 260 pounds, and I'm, I might be able to outrun Tommy in a 40. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You remember a couple of years back, was it 06, that he juked out uh, Brian Erlacher there at home? Uh, I think it was. It was it was a night game, and I mean that with that that play still never lived itself down. It was uh, when the guy has to perform, he knows how to perform. He sure does. He, thank you so much for joining CLNS Radio's Patriots beat. Uh, we look forward to hearing you more on the NFL Network, and of course following you on Twitter at, at @heathevans44. Thanks a lot, Heath. Hey, thanks for having me. Heath Evans was brought to you today by Harrys.com and the Patriots Beat podcast, and Harrys.com and. Patriots Beat have something to ask you. Are you sick and tired of shelling out big bucks every month at your local convenience store, your local Walmart, your local drugstore just for some blades for you shaving your face? Well, say goodbye to sending money down the drain. The only thing that should be going down the drain is the hair on your face. Go to harrys.com and check out the German-engineered blades. Enter my code PATRIOTS and save $5 off your initial order. I suggest you go there today. I've had the Harry's experience, and let me tell you right now, it is absolutely amazing. My face feels nice. My wife wants to kiss me. Uh, you know, it's really nice. Get the face wash, get the aftershave, and just check it out, harrys.com. Say goodbye to choosing between expensive brands or cheap disposables, and say hello to Harry's. High-quality blades at a price you'll love. Go to harrys.com right now and enter the code PATRIOTS. At checkout to get $5 off your first purchase. Get a month's worth of shaving for just $10 with the code PATRIOTS at checkout. That's harrys.com and my code word, PATRIOTS. Check it out, harrys.com. Well, that brings us to the end of another Patriots beat. I'd like to thank harrys.com. I'd like to thank DraftKings. I'd like to thank my co-host, Bobby Kvitsky. And, of course, Heath Evans, at Heath Evans. 44 on Twitter and also NFL Network for setting that up. We'll catch you guys next week as the New England Patriots will be getting ready to take on the Dallas Cowboys. And we'll get you all psyched up for the game here on Patriots Beat. Until then, we'll see you guys on the floor. Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.